I went to a marvelous party. Most people don't even know the fact the underlying ideas don't have enough depth to last for an entire season. Christopher, this is only going to work if we speak one at a time. Fine, you first, Eric. Sunset Strip in beautiful West Hollywood, California. It's the Dinner Party Show with Christopher Rice and Eric Shaw Quinn, the Internet's first live comedy variety show. Featuring special correspondents from the worlds of entertainment, politics, and lousy relationships. Everyone gets served. Tonight's live cast is streaming to you through the dinnerpartyshow.com with your hosts, New York Times best-selling novelists Christopher Rice and Eric Shaw Quinn. Hi, I'm Christopher Rice, and you're listening to The Dinner Party Show with Christopher Rice and... Eric Shaw Quinn. It's a very special, a very dinner party show Christmas special. And it's very special because unlike our Thanksgiving special where we just mashed up um, clips from our previous now, two let's not shows. Go, let's not go trash talking our own show. <laughs> I'm just saying. Let's leave that to others. It was it was uh, it was interesting what we did on Thanksgiving. It was a best of show for two whole weeks, but uh, we have all new reports from our special correspondents this week. Christmas originals, absolutely every last one. And we're I you know I thought Shay was supposed to. We had quite the show in here last Sunday. I don't oh know if you were God. here with us, but and uh, I thought Shay was going to. If not decorate for Christmas, at least Is clean up that in here. Blood? Shay. On the, no, that's Shay. not blood. Shay? Shay? Uh oh, here he comes. Oh my God. Why is this place. Look at this. I thought you were going to get ready for the. Well, I, I I guess that's the last word on that. I really don't feel like we should give him a performance review this year because it's not safe. Yeah, well, his Christmas bonus. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's fine. Whatever. It was a wonderful show last week. We had Ted Casablanca here and Mark Andreco, and I thought they were going to come to blows over the pop culture and entertainment Absolutely. headlines I, of the year. I that You know, maybe we need to consider decaf for the guest. I didn't see them. Did they have coffee? Is that the problem? I think there was a combination of coffee, tea, and um, Diet Coke. Yeah, and Pop culture fatigue. At the end of the year, you're just exhausted right. from all those screenings. All of those thoughts about everything. Well, anyway, that was last week's show, and this week's show is all about Kwanzaa. celebrating the special time of year. And Kwanzaa. Are Come we on. celebrating Kwanzaa? I what do you to talk about Kwanzaa. What here's is this the deal. Kwanzaa celebration? Okay, here's the deal, and I'll try to keep this brief, which will be very hard. When I was a Novelist young boy, speaking. when I was a young boy... I lived in the Bay Area, and I went to a fiercely progressive school where we were taught how to be very fundamentally good and honest and generous human beings and wildly politically correct along the way. And we had a holiday sort of buffet where we learned about all holidays as if they were equally celebrated. And one of those holidays was Kwanzaa. So I walked away from that school when we left uh, the Bay Area in 1988 and moved to the South, believing that all black people celebrated Kwanzaa 
only to be laughed at and ridiculed by black people whenever I brought up the holiday to them. I was, and, you, and you think it was the Kwanzaa thing that they were laughing at and ridiculing you there, for? There was, there, you know, I don't, there's a lot to laugh at, and laugh at about me, apparently. Brandon, Otherwise is there Kwanzaa music we can lay there in underneath no this? There is no Kwanzaa music. That's the thing. When you research Kwanzaa, what you find is it was, first of all, people dismiss it because... It purports to be an African holiday, and it was invented by an academic on the west coast of the United States in the late 20th century. And that guy's name was, and I hope I pronounce it correctly, Dr. Maluana Karenga. And he invented it in 1966. The Afrocentric News describes him as a young visionary living on the west coast who was also the founder and chairman of the Black Nationalist Organization. And Kwanzaa, the word, was derived from the Swahili word Kwanzaa with one A. He added an A to the end of it. And the original word means first fruits and is part of the phrase matunda ya. I don't know what that means. He added the extra A to distinguish the Afro-American from the African. And I guess my, my question is, what else did this guy do? Well, he— Like, what if we just, you know, what if I just started a new holiday, just declared it was going to be— Eric I, Shaw Quinn Day? Right. Brandon pointed out that Kwanzaa wound up with its own stamp, which is pretty official, but— there is Who also, is this guy, and what what qualifies him to start a new holiday? Well, he was pro- arguably the most prominent um, black academic at the time, and the holiday itself had an entire belief system behind it. He, he wanted to introduce a series of principles that I guess were sort of similar. Well, not exactly similar to the 12 steps, but unity, to strive for and maintain unity in the family, community, nation, and race, and that was uh, described by the word umoja. And then they went on with a lot of other words that I'm not going to be able to pronounce correctly on the air. But the reality is I don't think this holiday was widely adopted. I mean, when was the last time you heard a black celebrity or a black leader talking about their Kwanzaa celebration? I don't know. And maybe I'm just missing it. You know, I, I honestly don't hear a lot of uh, back chat about uh, Chinese New Year. And I figure probably the majority of the population on the earth is celebrating it. So maybe it's just, you know white boy oblivion, and I just don't see what's going on. I guess the question is, are we missing out on a holiday that's happening? Is there a big size? Is there music? Are there official observances? When does it happen? Absolutely. We did put some feelers out on our Facebook page, but obviously we'll put them out again here on this show, asking people if they knew anyone who celebrated Kwanzaa, if they celebrated Kwanzaa themselves. And the answers that came back were a deafening silence. The people who did respond didn't actually celebrate it, and they they sent us with some lovely links to information about it. But no, it's like it's a mysterious holiday to me. It's often the butt of jokes. So Christopher and I are looking to be invited to Kwanzaa parties and celebrations because we feel left out. Absolutely, and we want to be educated. Well, I want to be educated. I can't well, speak for that Eric. that would be nice too, but Eric really is very it's the party. Educated it's really about the decorations and the parties Absolutely. That, we're, that I'm mostly interested in. But meanwhile, we have Christmas to celebrate. This is the very dinner party show Christmas special, and yeah. we have... Original, exciting new. Who's, we, our, who's we, first Jonelle up? Jonelle Sam's tonight? your friend. Jonelle. Oh, Jonelle is with mm-hmm. us tonight. Yeah, oh, she's, she's great. Yeah, she's what is lovely. she going to be? What is she? Uh, what, I'll give you one guess. I, I give up. She's going to be here to talk about um, the holiday blues. Oh, I think that's so helpful. It can yeah. be a difficult time of year for uh-huh. people, especially for Jonelle. Well, I don't know. She always seems very cheerful to me. Yeah, she sure I does. I think she has a very sort of bloom where you're planted, sunny kind of attitude. Yeah. 
otherwise known as oblivious. So Jonelle is kicking it off. Jonelle is kicking it off. We will go to uh, well, we have uh, Jordan Ampersand is here. I understand you and him sat down earlier this week to discuss something. Well, yeah, I, I. kept my seat as long as I could. Oh, okay. Well, we're going to have a talk about your behavior with Jordan. Yeah. Right, later? Absolutely. I Put would that down. L- Put that down. I would like to talk about okay. Jordan. Uh-huh. Okay. And, yeah. and who else is with us today? Uh, well, we have, oh, those guys, Brock and Bastion, are back. Oh. Lord, they're a pill. Well, they're your friends. They are. They're not. I met them through you. They're my friends? Yes. I think this we need to talk about. Yeah, no, I don't think so. I so never etiquette would have gone 90069. To etiquette 90069. Jordan Ampersand. And, oh, Buzz Kilton, my old friend from the uh, Bay Area. She is back to uh, talk about holiday celebrations and how they're all fundamentally evil. Well, that ought to put a damper on everybody's holiday spirits, that Buzz. Absolutely. All right, then. So... I guess that's the show, so we'll kick off. We'll be back to talk with you guys a little bit and to wish you a Merry Christmas, but enjoy the show uh, tonight. Post your comments, and, uh, of course, uh, subscribe. Subscribe, subscribe subs- on iTunes. iTunes and yeah. subscribe. That's our big um, big request at this point. That would be great. And, you know, of course, our books would make lovely Christmas gifts. So. And they are available in our store at thedinnerpartyshow.com. Along with many of the offerings of our guests. Absolutely. All right, then, so... Here it is, our big, our gift to you. Our very special, oh-so-special Christmas special. From the Dinner Party Show. It's time once again for the Dinner Party Show's homemade relationship advice with Jonelle Sams. Hi, this is Jonelle Sams with a special Christmas edition of Homemade Relationship Advice. If you have a relationship question, you can send it to me, Care of the Dinner Party Show's Facebook fan page, or at Jonelle at thedinnerpartyshow.com. This week, I wanted to take time to talk about something few of us admit, but a lot of us feel at this time of year, the holiday blues. Christmas is just around the corner. From the moment the leftover Thanksgiving turkey goes in the Frigidaire, it's on. The stores are packed with shoppers and decorated up like New Orleans fancy ladies. The streets are lined with cheery lights. Seems like most every window on your street is aglow with tinsel-covered trees. Lawns are strewn with twinkly lights and elves and glow-in-the-dark candy canes and nativity scenes. Light up Santa and his sleigh and reindeer adorn many a roof. Christmas is just in inescapable, and that can be a challenge. During the holiday season, if you're a single person or a shut-in or a member of a faith that does not celebrate Christmas, it's easy to believe that the world is just passing you by. And even if you're not on your own, you start looking at all those Tory spelling Christmas movies on Lifetime and your living room can begin to look a little shabby. Or you see the family on the TJ Maxx commercial beaming at you and you think, Why don't I have a house full of photogenic children or quirky friends like those people in the Tommy Hilfiger ad? Why isn't my life filled with style and substance like the Ralph Lauren people? So, if you find yourself in the middle of the happiest season of all and you're feeling like you're inside doing homework on a snow day and all the other kids are outside in a snowball fight, you can't join in, take heart. I have a solution to your problems that is much easier than trying to get yourself a husband before Christmas Eve or wangle yourself up a bunch of skinny, velvet-clad Ralph Lauren types in time for Christmas dinner. You see, my husband Merle and I have been blissfully married for 22 years, but there have been times, I'm embarrassed to say, when I didn't see it that way. 
You see, Merle and I are lucky enough to be married to people who have full and busy lives. I have my ladies' groups, circle meetings, my arts and crafts, gourmet cooking, taxidermy, home decor, canning, and a whole host of other interests. Merle and his best friend Olson Lee Pugh were always off antiquing and directing in local theater projects and attending art openings. You know, man stuff. It was all well and good for the 13 years we were dating, but once we got married, I started to feel like Merle wasn't taking an interest in my many hobbies and activities. I started to look at other couples on the non-holiday Lifetime movies and just here around Poison Creek. The more I looked, the more it seemed like everyone else was always so happy doing stuff together, going on vacation at the same time and being in the same church groups. Why, I actually started to get jealous of Olsen. Can you imagine? Then Olsen's mama got real sick and he went up over to Dry Prong to stay with her and help out for a while. Well, sir, I got my wish. Olsen's mama was slow to mend and Merle was here all the time. He took over circle meeting, started a whole house full of home decor projects that made my efforts look pale, about ran me out of my own kitchen, got the upper hand on canning and my crafts work till about all I had left was my taxidermy and I think he'd have crowded me right out of my tanning shed if Mrs. Lee Pugh hadn't taken a turn for the worse and died. Of course, Merle had to go be with Olsen and help him through the funeral and settling Miss Lee Pugh's affairs, but in the end, it was me that got my affairs settled. You see, I realized that the only thing that was wrong with my marriage was my attitude. I was comparing what I had to other people and feeling sorry for myself because Merle had so many outside interests in man stuff. I had failed to take note of all the freedom being married to Merle allowed me. After Miss Lee Pugh's funeral, Merle took Olsen on a little cheer-up theater trip to New York and some artist colony called Provincetown further up the East Coast somewhere. By the time they got back, I was back to being on my own most of the time and Merle and Olsen fell back into their old routines as well. I swan, those two are more like an old married couple than Merle and me. To be fair, they've been together longer, since before high school, I think. So, if you're comparing your Christmas to some fancy one you saw in Parade magazine or in a Tory Spelling holiday romance movie and feeling like you've missed out, what you're really missing is the chance to be thankful for what you already have. Till next time, I'm Jonelle Sams with Homemade Relationship Advice, wishing you and yours a very Merry Christmas or Hanukkah or Kwanzaa or what have you. If you have relationship questions, write to Jonelle, care of The Dinner Party Show Facebook page or to jonelle at thedinnerpartyshow.com. If all else fails, help someone who's worse off than you. It's tough to feel bad about that any time of year and your life will look a lot better by comparison. And now... In keeping with the Dinner Party Show's connection to spiritual traditions from the world over, we've produced a dramatization of the classic essay by Catherine Merriweather on the nature of her personal connection to Jesus Christ. The essay is called, What's All That Stuff in the Sand? A couple nights ago, I dreamt that the Lord came to dinner at our beach house on Cape Cod. He had never been to the Cape before, so Douglas and I served him a delicious meal out on our back deck. Afterwards, the Lord and I sat alone, and when I looked down at the beach, I saw two sets of footprints. In my heart, I knew that one of them belonged to me, 
and the other belonged to my lord and savior. But every few yards or so, there was some kind of mess all over the sand. I didn't know what it was. It looked like some kids had gone crabbing in the middle of the night. I was so confused. I was tempted to ask the Lord what it meant, but he was playing Angry Birds on his iPhone and I didn't want to be rude. But finally, I just couldn't take it. I said, Lord, I know in my heart those footprints along the sand belong to the two of us. I know this because you promised me that if I put my faith in you, Lord, you would walk with me always. Nobody said anything about us always being on the beach, but I hear you work in mysterious ways, so I'll just go with it. But my point is, every few yards or so, the footprints just go nuts. I mean, what is all that stuff in the sand? It looks like somebody drove a truck back and forth over the beach. And the Lord said, Oh, girl, where do I start? Uh, See that first patch there where it kind of looks like a figure eight that's been broken in half? That's where you thought it would be a good idea to stop taking the pill without telling your husband because you thought a kid was going to fix your marriage. And see the next patch where it looks like a bunch of birds got into a fight over a donut hidden under a sandcastle? That's the time when you got really lonely because the kid hadn't fixed it and you thought it would be a good idea to invite the gas man in for a glass of water one afternoon glass of water with Stoli in it. I told the Lord I got the point, but he kept going. And see that mess right there where it looks like someone was digging a trench down to the surf line before they got attacked by a shark? That's when you accused your husband of starting the fire in the backyard with one of his old parliaments, even though you knew your kid had been smoking weed out there with his friends the night before. Look, Catherine, you're right. I'm always walking with you, whether you see me or not. That means when you do something really stupid, I'm right there next to you. And since I'm not allowed to carry a frying pan down here, that means that I've got to use what I have at my disposal. So if the footprints start to look a little weird to you, Catherine, it's because I tried my best to kick some sense into you. And that was the last time I ever interrupted the Lord while he was playing Angry Birds. You're listening to The Dinner Party Show with Christopher Rice and Eric Shaw Quinn. The Dinner Party Show. We'll be the judge of that. Hi, hookers. I'm Jordan Ampersand, and I'm here to tell you the meaning of Christmas. Uh, No, actually, you're not. I'm not. No, you're here to describe what Christmas means to you personally. No one is asking you to define the meaning of one of the most important and widely observed holidays on the planet. Least of all, me. Okay, but you're going to put on the Santa suit, right? No, I'm not. Why not? It's a radio show, Jordan. No one can see us. Um, hello. You have cameras on the wall. That's to catch you if you steal anything. You are so mean. That's what I'm calling my segment now, The Meanies of Christmas. And you are the biggest one, Eric Shaw Quinn. Jordan, it was with great trepidation that I allowed you to be part of our Christmas special here at the Dinner Party Show. And so I implore you, please prove my worst expectations wrong. I like how you talk like someone in one of those old-timey plays I couldn't stay awake for in high school. I like how you didn't stay awake for any of high school. You are the meanie of Christmas. Don't you have a really long, drawn-out, mortifying story to tell? I do. 
Let's go to it then. Okay, cue the sleigh bells. Last Christmas, money from my reality show appearances was running low, like totally gone low. But I had been sleeping with a guy who likes to read stuff, and he had told me about this funny book written by some funny writer about how he worked as a department store Santa Claus. Now the writer was really rich and even funnier and lived in Paris, and he was... David Sedaris. Who? The writer's name was David Sedaris. How long are those sleigh bells going to keep ringing? Until you keep quiet? Fine. Okay, so remembering the funny book by the funny writer that this guy I had been sleeping with had mentioned to me once, I decided I would get a job as a department store elf. And then, once funny things happened to me, I would call the guy that I had been sleeping with who had mentioned the funny book, and I'd get him to write the book about it. But after, he signed over everything to me, so I got all the money and could star in the movie. I swear to God, if you have a movie deal, I will get it. Do you want the sleigh bells to stop or not? Okay, okay, all right. Thank you. Unfortunately, the Beverly Center had all the elves they needed for hunky Santa, so I was forced to look elsewhere for Christmas time employment. My journey brought me to a new pet store on Melrose where Santa Claus was actually St. Bernarda Claus, but that was kind of a disaster, so I should move on to the next part of the story. I don't think so. What happened at the pet store, Jordan? Well, St. Bernarda Claus was actually a giant St. Bernard in a Santa hat who Mm. had allegedly been trained to take gifts out of a giant box Mm. in his front paws and give them to children who'd been waiting in line while their parents bought dog food. Uh And he was kind of sort of good at it when he wasn't vomiting. Okay, and the disaster? Well, one day he got bored and he ran off into the street with something in his mouth. What was it? Well, it was kind of a child, and I didn't notice because I was texting. Oh, my God. The dog ran into the street with a child in his mouth, and you didn't do anything? I did do something. I texted my friend Fitzpatrick. Oh, oh. my God. St. Bernard Claus just ran into the street with a child in his mouth. Jordan, please tell me you did more than that. Turn off those goddamn sleigh bells. Whatever. The child was fine. St. Bernard Claus didn't bite down, and he came back once the owner of the store pulled out a taser. And I'm the meanie of Christmas. But anyway, that was not the right place for me to spread Christmas cheer. And Mm. they got mad when I modified the costume. Oh, Jesus. Well, I didn't modify the costume myself. I had my friend Fitzpatrick do it. Very He's the director of visual styling at the Ross Store Van Nuys location, thank you. And we deliberately modified my elf costume to showcase a pet project he has been working on in his fashion lab. I guess I'm supposed to ask what the pet project is. It's a new line of men's underwear targeted to the gay market, but not limited to to the gay market and it involves a strategic use of piano wire and gene therapy to support and augment if necessary your male endowment I'm sorry gene therapy yes the piano wire has been modified with human DNA to not only lift and protect your essentials but also to sense a craving for carbs which will cause it to sink gradually into your flesh acting as a deterrent how Hi, were you when Fitzpatrick convinced you to buy this insane underwear? I don't think that's an appropriate question for a Christmas special. Oh, but turning yourself into a slutty elf at a pet store is totally appropriate. A sexy elf. Oh, sexy, I see. not so, slutty. Unlike you, I am a sex positron. I believe you're trying to say you're sex positive, Jordan, and it's a perfectly accurate term for those who seek an active and healthy sex life without trouncing on other people's personal boundaries uh, in the process. Back to my story before listening to you ages me 10 years. Okay, so after St. Bernard Claus did that thing with the child, Uh I called the guy who I had slept with who had liked books and stuff and had told me about the department store Santa book that 
that he'd read. And I asked him if he wanted to write about me in the pet store. And what did he say? He was all mean. He was like, why no. did you sleep with my friend while we were dating? And why did you lie to everyone and tell them I tried to drown you? He didn't try to drown you? In my dream, he did. And dreams are a metaphor for life. And did you sleep with his friend while you were dating him? Again, I don't find this line of questioning appropriate for a Christmas special. I don't find you appropriate for a Christmas special. That's because I haven't gotten to the meaning of Christmas yet, meaning of Christmas. Get there, quickly. Okay, so I was really upset after the guy was so mean to me about lying about him to everyone and sleeping with his friend. Uh-huh. And I really needed to be with Fitzpatrick, but his parents were in town and they're kind of conservative and they had taken him out to a nice dinner at Chaconi's, which I guess is a nice place. Oh my God, Jordan. I really needed my friend. Did you go to that restaurant to meet Fitzpatrick's family wearing your modified slutty elf costume? It was Christmas. Oh my God. Whatever. I wasn't wearing the whole costume by the time I got there because I was without car at the time and the elf shoes were rubber and they got all shredded on the way to the restaurant so I just kind of peeled them off. And they made a place for me at the table and everything so I was just sitting there and listening to them talk while I had some of Fitzpatrick's father's drink and his mom was just going on and on and on. She was all like, they removed one breast, now I'm cancer free, blah, blah, blah. And finally I was like, can we talk about the fact that there's not more reindeer? And it was like I had really made them think about something. And that's when Fitzpatrick's father let me in on a very special secret. I can't wait. A reindeer is just a donkey that's been loved. I see. And that's when they did the most magical thing of all. They drove me to the zoo. And mm-hmm. I could tell how excited they all were because they were laughing the whole way there. Yeah, L.A. has a zoo. Yeah, it's in Griffith Park. All right, sorry, go on. So they drove me to the zoo. And we got to where some donkeys were, and they opened the car door, and Fitzpatrick's father said, Now, Jordan Ampersand, we will teach you how to make a reindeer any time you want one. Oh, my God. And they opened the gate to the pen, and I walked in, and I opened my arms big and wide, and I said to the donkeys, I will love you until you are the reindeers of Christmas. And then what happened? Well, I woke up and the doctors were all like, do you remember what happened? And blah, 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 blah. And I didn't say anything because I didn't want them to know the secret of reindeers. And then Fitzpatrick and his dad and some lawyer guy came in and they were really weird. And I was like, you guys, relax. I'm not going to tell anyone the secret of reindeers. And then they were cool. And once they calmed down, I asked them, what did you guys do with all the reindeer I made? And they said they set them free so that little boys all over L.A. might have a chance to see a reindeer at Christmas. Isn't that beautiful? Why are you looking at me like that? Is, is that really where that story ends? Of course it is. Jordan. No, it isn't. Okay, a few days later, I drove back to the zoo, and the donkeys were all still in the same place, so I waited a year until next Christmas when I knew Fitzpatrick was already on the plane flying home to visit his family, and I called his father, and I told him Fitzpatrick likes getting peed on by Armenian guys, and I sent him the emails to prove it. Nicely played, young man. I thought you would approve. Well, I'm the meanie of Christmas, after all. Yes, you are. I still believe, though. In what? Christmas? No, reindeer! (laughs) Merry Christmas, Jordan Ampersand. Merry Christmas, Eric Shaw Quinn. Here once again to teach us how the power of free expression can be used to destroy ideas she finds personally threatening, it's our Bay Area culture critic, Buzz Kilton. 
Good evening, I'm Buzz Kilton, and this is the Bay Area Culture Report, special winter solstice edition. A dark fog has descended on the city I call home, the city where I share a lead silver-certified bungalow in the Berkeley Hills with my partner, Shohaini, and our adopted daughter, Jamaica Hisu. Far from being one of the usual fogs so common to this area, this particular darkness is festooned with blinking red and green lights, and from its shadows come the cloying yet soul-destroying strains of countless songs which attempt to glamorize the personal failure of so many who have yet to overcome the entanglements of their families of origin. Christmas in all its crass, glittery displays, it is impossible for Shohaini and I not to see its blinking lights and strands of tinsel as anything other than tears shed by a young woman named Mary upon learning that she had been sexually enslaved by a patriarchal cloud monster who claimed credit for most of the natural wonders created by the great spirit of the Navajo people. Christmas, a holiday when all the world gathers to celebrate the fact that a baby boy marked for death from birth was forced from the womb of an unconsenting mother. A baby boy, I might add, who despite his later penchant for truisms and miracles, chose to spend his formative years acting out his hostile impulses on pieces of wood with sharp implements. An often overlooked fact, which leads us to the question, was his eventual crucifixion a tragic end or a sadomasochistic fantasy fulfilled? What child is this, indeed? Christmas. Is it possible for the truly enlightened and educated to look upon a nativity scene and not see a kind of bestial gang rape? Is it possible to listen to Christmas carols and not hear the call of alcoholic parents attempting to lure their innocent children back into nests of dysfunction and abuse with garishly wrapped electronics? Christmas. In our house, we have banned the word. Instead, we celebrate the winter solstice. At noon, on Friday, December 21st, I instructed our precious daughter Jamaica to climb to the roof of our bungalow and lift a mirror above her head so that she might capture the rays of the sun as it rises to its lowest annual point above the horizon. At that very moment, Shohaini and I pulled a black veil from a very special painting we had set up on an easel in our Zerascaped backyard, and Jamaica shifted the mirror so that the sun's reflected rays fell upon the beautiful, sacred image we had just revealed. The painting is by our friend Pam Rawlings, and it depicts a traditional image of the Virgin Mary astride a Harley Davidson. 
virgin on a hog, it's called, and even though Shohiney threatened to leave me if I ever hung the painting on our wall after Pam gave it to us during the get-up-with-women retreat a few years back, we have managed to build a ceremony of sorts around it, which we make a point of videotaping so we can send it to Pam when she asks us if we're still keeping the painting in the garage behind our kayak, which we are, but not during the winter solstice, but Pam doesn't need to know that, which I have told Jamaica and Shohaini many, many times. Once Jamaica's arms, tired of holding the mirror above her head and rechanneling Gaia's solar energy onto the painting below, Shohaini crawled up onto the roof and released our beautiful daughter from the modified skydiving harness we had used to secure her to the chimney. And then it was time for the exchange of true gifts. I bequeathed a special shovel to both my wife and daughter and instructed them that several precious surprises awaited them underneath the new fennel plants I had placed throughout the yard. After several hours of digging, my wife and daughter sat cross-legged in the dirt, surveying the gifts I had sown for them. No shiny, tasteless electronic gadgets in this celebration— no, to both of them I had given several brightly painted rocks to which I had taped generous descriptions of how they could both be more loving and compassionate towards me in the new year. A long, plaintive silence settled over our backyard, and my wife, Shohaini, beheld me with an unwavering gaze, which, in its complete divorce from forced sentiment, or any kind of smile at all, conveyed to me my loving partner's profound respect for my hard-fought individuality. And so, there it is, a winter holiday devoid of celestial rape or crass commercialism. I commend such an experience to you, listeners. On second thought, I commend it. Now it's time for Etiquette 90069 with Brock and Bastion, West Hollywood's most perfect gay couple. Tonight's entry, Holiday Entertaining. Hi, we're Brock and Bastion. And I'm Bastion. I already said that. I don't see how that's possible. I did too. <laughs> we're here tonight to steer the dinner party show away from the ledge of social oblivion. And how will we do that, you ask? By being here. <laughs> Everyone who's anyone. That's us. Says we're West Hollywood's most perfect couple. That's what we always say. And tonight we're going to take you inside the glass palace. At the very pinnacle of the pretense hills looking down on the city we call home. West Hollywood. At this special holiday time of year, we want to share our secrets for successful holiday entertaining. First, cover the house in those little white twinkly lights. I know, I know, it seems like a lot of trouble, but a few well-chosen plain friends... Facially challenged. Okay, invite a few people who can't believe someone like you would be friends with someone like them. And trust us, no matter how ordinary you you are, there's always someone less fabulous. <laughs> Air quotes than you are. <laughs> Not everyone can be as fabulous as us. Right. Anyways, get the uggies to work on the decorations and put your toe 
token girlfriends to work in the kitchen. We saved enough on catering and decorators this year to afford a first-class suite on the orgy deck of the raging queen. Flagship of rough trade winds, all gay cruise lines. All gay, all night. Meanwhile, back at the top of Pretense Hill. Fill your glass palace with the hottest people you can find. That's hot, hot. Looking. Hot, rich, and hot payments. I know this seems obvious, but some people make the mistake of thinking that the holidays are about real connections with true friends and family. And to both of you, we say... Where do you think we are, Ohio? <laughs> Flyovers. Be nice. Their money spends just like everyone else's. And that brings us to our most important holiday party tip. Make it an air quotes benefit. Nothing fills your house with hotties and makes people think you're fabulous more than if you turn every single private party for every event of your whole entire life into a benefit. That and gift bags. Totally. It's the perfect way to get rid of all those crappy hotel room products you've stolen. Bad gifts you've gotten. Stench or just dupe CDs and DVDs. And tragic old gift bags from less than fab parties you've been forced to attend. Careful with that one. You don't want to give a guest the stench gift bag they unloaded on you. Like they could remember. <laughs> the smell. <laughs> but the most important reason for making your party a benefit is the wonderful work you can do with the money to help the children. <laughs> In your wildest. Kidding. No, the most important reason to make your party a benefit. Liquor sponsor. Getting the bar A, loaded, and two, paid for, can help keep you in $1,000 skinny jeans. And glass palaces. So the secret to successful holiday entertaining is to get other people to do all the work and pay for everything because no matter what you may have heard, it's, it's much, much better, better to receive than, than it is to give. give. Also, small things come in small packages. Merry, Merry Christmas. Christmas from Brock and Bastion. I'm Bastion. Said that. And Happy New Year. Air quotes. Well, they were certainly charming as always. Those two know how to have a good time. Well, huh? they know how to pay for a good time. Uh-huh. Or they know how to leverage a good time. <laughs> At the very least. I'll say. Yeah, have you have you been invited over to their house oh, for a no. party? Oh, no. Oh, no, 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 no. I took down my shirtless Facebook photo and I stopped getting invited. Oh, so, yeah. I see. Well, I thought, you know, what with it being a benefit and all for <laughs> the save, their Save the Hot Kids Foundation. Save the Hot Kids. Yeah, I, I, uh, I'm, I'm donating to literacy this year, I think. Well, it's been quite a show. It sure has. And I hope that it's gotten everybody in the mood for a holiday season. Absolutely, absolutely. But the holiday season isn't over yet. We will be back next Sunday, the 30th of December, with our very special New Year's special, which will also feature all new reports from our very special totally original correspondence. Right? So that's uh, New Year's Eve Eve? I guess so. The New, New Year's, Year's Eve, Eve Eve. Yeah, absolutely. The New Year's Eve Eve. Dinner party show, New Year's Eve Eve special. New Year's Eve Eve tongue twister of the year. <laughs> Let's well, make it as hard to say as possible. It's been, we really appreciate you guys tuning in and sharing a part of your holiday season with us. We hope that this has done a little bit to inspire some holiday cheer. Absolutely. And uh, we once again encourage you to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, even if you don't listen to the show in that way. We give you so many ways to listen to the show. We know. And, and buy our books and our Absolutely. guest books and other items that they're selling. I think it's just books at this point, but there'll be more stuff, we hope, as the oh, year wears on. No idea. They'll make 
lovely Christmas presents, particularly our books, I think, would Absolutely. be particularly good for the Or Hanukkah season. presents or Kwanzaa presents. Right? If Merry Christmas, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, Kwanzaa. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thanks again for joining us this week. I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. And you've been listening to the Dinner Party Show's Christmas special. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas.